Once a week, recapping the Hollywood Week that was getting you ready for the Holly Weird Week to come. This is Mike Mike and Oscar Weekly, hashtag MMO Weekly, hashtag MMOW. I am your co-host, Mike One, and here again with a weather update, I'm sure, is co-host also Mike. Yeah, if you hear the gods bowling <laughs> out there, it is a, it is thunderstorm weather in Connecticut right now. I guess the bears will go back into the woods. <laughs> It's, it's nice that you storms? found a niche specialty in this Oscars podcast of <laughs> weather and bears. Every time I step outside, I'm worried of seeing a bear again. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. There was a uh, there was a TikTok that went viral over, the I think, the weekend or maybe before the weekend of this kid. It looked like a teenager just hanging out on his back porch as a giant mama black bear and two of her little baby oh. cubbies just strolled within arm's distance of him. I was like, you, you are... Way too calm for this situation right now, sir. There was a uh, you know a big video on ESPN of a of a pro athlete who was just like going down an alleyway on a scooter, and there was a mama bear, and a baby bear, and he's going down, and his athleticism allowed the scooter to keep going, but he jumped off seamlessly. <laughs> And, and ran the other direction with a scooter going towards the bears. And then the video cut out. For me, I would have crashed, mm-hmm. rolled in mm-hmm. front of the bear. Right. The mama bear would have nudged my unconscious body for Naturally. the baby bear to start eating. <laughs> right, exactly. And I would You'd be have bear chow. Up. I yeah, would be bear chat. Right. Uh, so Oscar may be out, and this may be Mike, Mike, and Bear from now on. But uh, as, as usual as the Bear conversations have been, uh, this is Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly. This is when we take a look around the movie industry at large, focusing more so on the blockbuster world. And we actually have, like, you know, trailers and previews to talk about uh, this week, which is something new and different, as we can go and start off this episode with some trailer thoughts. Trailer! All right, Mike, we actually have, like, new movies we could talk about. How about that, huh? I'm so excited. We haven't done a trailer thoughts in a while because there haven't been a lot of good trailers lately. But, I mean, we were going to hate a bunch of the ones at the end of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm so glad we got these first two. I mean, thank God for these first two. So here we go. Yeah, we have Respect, uh, the Aretha Franklin biopic coming out. The premise for this trailer, which was just the teaser that dropped. Uh, in case you needed to be reminded who's winning Best Actress this year, there's Jennifer Hudson playing Aretha Franklin. And only Jennifer Hudson yes. can play Aretha Franklin, right? I mean, this is the perfect project for her and her career. But I'll be honest with you. I just love how focused and confident this first full trailer is. I mean, it's building on the teaser. Number one, you have the connectivity of the big musical number, the title of the film. Yep. You're spelling out the theme of the story and the rest of the trailer, never mind the movie that we'll get. So right there, you know you're getting a music movie, and you're featuring this incredible song with these incredible production values. Imagine if she sings this on the Oscar stage whenever we actually get... I mean, that's going to tear the house down, I would think, right? I think she was born to sing this on the Oscar stage. And uh, I think Jennifer Hudson's to sing at every Oscars. 
Yeah, well, yes, and we've been actually campaigning that for a couple years now, and we we stand even stronger in our resolve for that after seeing this trailer. The only thing I could think about in watching this trailer was I don't want to hear a single word from anyone saying how Jennifer Hudson already won her Oscar, because if we gave Renee Zellweger Best right. Actress last year, after winning Supporting Actress already, just sooner than Jennifer Hudson had won her Supporting Actress, for Renee Zellweger did it in Cold Mountain, Jennifer Hudson did it in, in Dreamgirls, obviously. I, I don't want to hear it. I mean, if this is a quality performance, she deserves to be right in the thick of the Best Actress race this year. That being said, are you a little worried that the Academy won't vote for the music movie performance again after voting for music movie performances in the last two years and they picked the wrong two music yes. movie performances and this could be the right one that we neglect? Uh, unless this is the the you know the era of the musical, the movie musical, or at least the the biopic musical biopic based uh, winners. I mean, the the Academy has a tendency to like run a string of eras and like a string of picks that creates like this era. And that's why we're still kind of just recovering from the nineties and two thousands with like the lame period piece era. Mm. We're just kind of getting out of that. And we see it as like Oscar fodder and Oscar grabbiness now. So maybe they don't want to be defined as that. And yeah, anytime you have a performance that was so similar to something that just happened, you, you have that worry, I would say. So sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm very concerned about that. I wonder if we could be like the trendsetters and start labeling all these eras like the, you know, the <laughs> wrestling historians do and you're uh, and you're, you know, fixation look at you. There. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I'm down. There's nobody that's better prepared to uh, to label errors of some kind of giant overlord corporation that couldn't care less about their people than I am as a wrestling fan. So I'm in. Uh, thinking out loud and maybe you never know maybe we'll maybe we'll go down that rabbit hole but yeah jennifer hudson forrest whitaker mary j blige you got two oscar winners one oscar nominee there you also have marlon wayans and mark Marin in this trailer what little of the drama we do see in snippets it's aretha's character being disrespected and telling people off to respect her i mean that's perfect let's just yeah. have that this movie again it just knows what it wants to sell the marketing team knows the goods it's going to try and deliver and the, the music in this trailer is wonderful. I listened to it like three times. Even after I played it once, Mike, I just put the trailer on again while I had the dock open just to hear it. It looks like it's got a little bit of the zeitgeist wrapped up in it, too. I mean, this looks like she's talking about, you know, issues of culture clashes and racism and, and of the moment stuff, which is obviously very prevalent in 2020 in the time we're living in right now with the protests still going on. So I, I have high hopes for this. I did have high hopes for Judy before we saw it, and that movie, I think, wide missed the mark. Lisey Tommy is the director of this one. She's done Jennifer Jones, she, Jessica Jones. She's done uh, The Walking Dead and Secure, a lot of popular TV shows, so there's reason to have faith in this, that she can pull off a dramatic tone and pull off this type of story. I'm very, very excited. I'm really excited. I hope it uh, I hope it delivers. But the thing is, we know it's going to deliver. Just the question is, can it deliver everything? Yeah. And- it's tough to put those expectations on a movie, but so far, so good. Next movie, Mike, is Over the Moon. This is an animated feature from Netflix. So the premise here, Netflix aims directly at both Pixar and Disney as they throw their hat into the best animated feature race with this 3D slash 2D story about kids becoming astronauts. 
Yeah, and Andrew, the Nomcast, and I have talked about this movie a couple of times now on uh, crossover pods we've done together because this is Netflix's big Oscar grab on the schedule in this animated feature category. I think it's one of the first computer animated films that they've really gone into because they've they've been going for the older kind of 90s animation, DreamsWorks kind of style previously. And this is why the Willoughbys came out much earlier uh, in 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 the winter than uh, than that that prime fall release date that clause had, so this is the getting that clause release date, and it looks gorgeous. I mean, you could see why this one certainly. I was gonna clause is the one that comes to mind since that did so much damage in the awards season last year. This one, just on its look of its preview, looks far more like a what you would expect for a best animated feature contender than clause. Gorgeous, like the the pond, the father and daughter sitting in front of that pond. Oh my God, just my heart. But yeah, you got an adorable bunny that's not voiced by Kevin Hart. You have cute (laughs) kids, adorable kids here. However, you have an absolutely ridiculous premise in terms of this trailer. Because we are not led to believe in this trailer, and I didn't read a premise going in, that these kids are basically behaving like Elon Musk is right now. Like we, There's no <laughs> foreshadowing the end of this trailer at the beginning of this trailer because apparently over the moon is something literally. Like these kids are going to space because they believe there's a magical queen that lives out there or something. But bottom line is I had no idea it was going to be a literal we were going to get a first man scene with them taking this rocket at the end of the trailer. I hated the end of this trailer. I really, really did. As gorgeous as it looks, I wish... I mean, this trailer, if you watch it, we we have this child literally building a spacecraft, (laughs) and it's taken literally, uh, and she goes off into the moon, and her and her brother, I guess, and their pet rabbit are traveling to the moon, and the rocket runs out of gas or something, and they start falling back to Earth. End the trailer there! There's this 15-second stinger scene at the end of it. It's basically the end of the trailer that they go actually get to the moon and we see all these beautiful colors and all this like dreamlike landscape and they're actually pursuing this queen I, I wish they held that back I wish we just ended this trailer based in reality and based down here on the earth and then all that could have been a surprise once you actually get to uh, the movie and sit down and watch it for itself I hated that they gave that away uh, giving something away is a big problem with a couple of these trailers as a matter of fact it would have been funny and ballsy if they had the you know rocket going back down and then they just yeah. cut it there. Yeah, coming soon. To imagine, Netflix. imagine, imagine what we'd be talking about. Like, oh my god, are they going to kill these kids? <laughs> we would have loved that, but yeah. I think the kids would have been scared and not watched it. <laughs> However, I agree with you. I mean, they either got to foreshadow it better, and, then, and like at the beginning when a, when a trailer just starts, if you're going to say like, oh, there was a magical queen, and then you just cut to normal shit the rest mm-hmm. of the way, that doesn't work. And then, oh my God, they're also astronauts. Come right. on. Again, right. it's a trailer problem, I hope, and not a movie problem. Like if the movie is these kids just performing science experiments for the first half hour and hearing stories about this magical queen in space for the first half hour, and it just alternates between that with a few goofy kid scenes, fine. That's what movies should be the story will build on itself and we won't have issues and it won't you know seem like a day as machina in 90 seconds but in this trailer it did 
I do want to give props to Netflix. This is a an Asian family, and if you look at the IMDb cast list, uh, a ton of, of Asian and Asian American talent are attached to this. Sandra Oh, Philippa Su, Ken Jeong, Kimiko Glenn, John Cho, Brittany Ishibashi, Irene Su, Margaret Cho, Kathy Ang, uh, a bunch of, I mean, how about that? They actually hired, you know, Asian actors and people in the industry who are Asian to portray Asians on screen. Big ups to Netflix and props for them for, for striving for authenticity. It looks great despite its story problems in the trailer, I would say. And yeah, and Ken Jeong and Mar- Margaret Cho, I'll listen to their voices are hilarious. I'll watch them in anything. I'll see them in anything. So I'm excited about Over the Moon, Mike. Let's move on to Soul. They came out with their second trailer. Is this their third trailer? Is their fourth and a half trailer? What trailer <laughs> is this? this? Is their second full one, and they had a teaser as well. But let's talk about the premise here. Pixar sees Netflix's entry and puts forth a trailer positioning their latest as more than just an animated feature contender and even possibly a best picture threat. So this trailer is important. Like This, to me, is Pixar realizing that they have a major awards contender on their hands. They're not selling any of the colorful fluff. We are selling act one in this trailer. We don't need a joke every five Mm -hmm. seconds. We're selling the sentimental hook of the film, which is about a musician and a teacher who is trying to get his life on track and, and is trying to follow his dreams in terms of music. And it's, and it's that, type of story that's going to be the stakes for the rest you know the rest of it the other hour of it where he's trying to get back to to life and in the, in the purgatory state of inside out slash whatever whatever universe they're going to i, I don't really <laughs> understand the multiverse but it's gonna be there but we don't need to sell that in this trailer this is just a simple regular life trailer that's beautiful this could be, depending on the quality of what Pixar puts out here, this could be their year, right? I mean, if ever Pixar was going to actually claim, lay claim to a Best Picture win, I mean, it would be in a year where the movie year has been kind of wiped out by a pandemic, and it probably should have been Toy Story 3, but that's a different argument for a different day. Uh, this could, I think they might know that, based on the way that this trailer was cut together, because it has a very serious and a very heartfelt and emotional core to it, and like you said, they don't give away the farm, and they don't really concentrate on the funny they concentrate more on the dramatic i don't know how you can't be attracted to this type of trailer after watching it would you be that shocked if soul won best picture if the first animated best picture winner came out at this point i wouldn't be that shocked i mean i i I would totally hope pixar goes all in and you know mcquade was saying it on chasing the gold i'm kind of parroting him there but he's he i wouldn't be surprised in this type of year if soul is is a favorite in terms of getting at least the best picture nod and then as a true contender after Parasite won last year, I, I could see it. I wouldn't be surprised about anything having to do with 2020 at this point. And yes, on that list included is a Pixar film winning Best Picture. Not at all. And I said that last episode when we were going over the Q2 review. I don't think you can be surprised by anything that happened in this Academy Awards because it's literally unprinted, un- unprecedented what we are living through right now. No question. Well, we're going to take a major drop in terms of trailer <laughs> qualities and movie qualities here. Mike. Yeah, those are legitimate Oscar contenders. We could have saved those for an ORC, but those three quack like ducks when it comes to Oscars movie. Right. But we have Ava starring Jessica Chastain. Ava, probably not an Oscars contender. The premise. We do have a Malkovich Assance. That rolls mm-hmm. on as Jessica Chastain does her best atomic ginger. Or maybe Red Sparrow would be even more appropriate here to outdo an inevitably outmatch Colin Farrell. 
All right, so this is the antithesis of the last two trailers because you yeah, wrote this down before. Yeah, bold choice to show the whole fucking movie in this trailer, huh, Mike? <laughs> you wrote that before I could write it down. That was the first thing that came to my mind. After watching this trailer, I feel like I've seen the movie and I 100% have no desire to see no, it. No, why I would saw you? It. They give away the twist. <laughs> they give away the conflict. They show you the action at the final match, you would think. The the only thing I want to know is the relationship between Common and Jessica Chastain. Like, I want a movie about that. Common is the most heartbroken and lovesick man, <laughs> character actor in Hollywood. How many women are going to leave Common hanging in movies? And it's absurd. Like, how are we supposed to believe that Common, who serenades women every night, would be allowed to be single for more than eight days? Never mind. Queen Latifah has left him twisting in the wind. Mary Elizabeth Winstead has left him twisting in the wind. Jessica Chastain is now leaving him twisting in the wind. This man is a Greek Adonis. It's very unbelievable. I know movies are based on fantasy, but that is absurd. And this is coming from two straight guys. But even we're like, come on, this guy yeah, would be it's common. up in seconds. <laughs> you know what's not common? Leaving a guy like that twisting in the wind. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Every single one of these guys, give me a break. Right, right. It's, They're it's way fun. too hot and sexy to be, be free for that long. It's absurd. Damn. You know who's free? You and me. Right. <laughs> Damn good looking men. <laughs> Damn them to hell. I did appreciate more seriously, like Colin Farrell is showing emotion. In this trailer, which has always been a problem with me in Colin Farrell movies, I don't. I think he's he can has a tendency to find one emotion and play that throughout, and he's kind of being exasperated in this and has to play a pulled back version in other scenes too. So I liked that, but again, I I echo what you said. I have no desire to see this movie right now. Well, this is a hard no for me, a hard pass. Yeah, I don't. I can't figure out a reason to see this movie. No, nope, I'm I'm with you there. Yeah, Ava is uh, Ava's looks like it's going to be a pass. We can move on. To Greenland, which is Gerard Butler versus a comet, apparently. I don't know. I'm going off what you're saying because I refuse to watch this trailer. I'm done. Listen, Gerard Butler has entered career parody territory, all right? Because wasn't he also in that Geostorm movie where he, again, was fighting the weather? The weather was the yeah. bad guy, and now he's fighting the weather for a second time in a different movie? When your two biggest roles are weather fighter... And presidential bodyguard who keeps failing to prevent assassination attempts, it might be time to reassess. I agree with you on every <laughs> one of those points for once. Uh, however, I did watch this trailer, and it's kind of interesting. <laughs> like, I, How it's, dare it's you? It's basically the family on the run from these events. And from I what, really, a meteor? Yeah, but the, the meteor is fragmenting, and it, they're hitting everywhere. So they go to the military base, and then they're, the military base is chaos. They're only letting so many people in, and so they can't get into the military bunker. And then they go wherever. wherever. So I'm hoping that he has a secret skill, that he's a pilot, <laughs> that he flies to Greenland by the end of the movie. Like, that's what I'm skill, rooting for. His secret skill is that he's the worst member of the Secret Service ever hired on film. And he's, like, literally, you know, masking his Scottish accent. The, <laughs> The most he ever does in the film when there's a literal geostorm of right, you know, <laughs> fragments falling on him, and he's like, "We got to, we got go to ahead, no, go for it, go for it." Well, that's my terrible Scottish accent, but that's my impersonation of 
him masking his Scottish accent in, in this instance. That's what, what this movie should be. It should just be all of Gerard Butler's roles. It should be like a scary movie parody. It's just all of <laughs> Gerard Butler's roles in one film. But and, and the president could be on the plane. Yeah. Right. And he could like <laughs> Oh, by the way, here's the president. I'm actually gonna protect you for once. He's he's totally safe. Nothing's happening to the president. He's just reading his paper. Ah, oh, oh, the Yankees are doing well this year, you know? <laughs> If Greenland is untouched by the comet and they find their sanctuary there, I'm in for this movie. Otherwise, don't talk to me about it. I'm with you. You Mike, couldn't pay me to watch that movie. <laughs> from last week, we had Bill and Ted face the music, their first trailer. So the premise for this, the limits to Keanu's capabilities are tested as we find out if he can carry a sequel to a franchise that only made $78 million total over two movies some 30-odd years ago. All right, so before we had Respect and Soul, those two trailers on this list, we went from Ava to Greenland to this. <laughs> and at that point, Michael, I was starting to wonder if movies really deserved to come back at all. <laughs> like, I was just like, if this is what we're all waiting for, this is awful. Maybe we should just all stream TV shows from now until the end of eternity. Can I be honest with you? Mm -hmm. I'm excited for this movie. <laughs> I mean, the ability for for Keanu to slide seamlessly back into this role, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You have a low bar, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny what we'll tolerate. Like, for some reason, I'll tolerate the last trailer, Greenland, because Gerard Butler, I haven't seen all of his other movies. Right. So that, that trailer was actually okay, <laughs> so I'm in for it. But I've seen all of Keanu's movies. Like, this just seems absurd to me. That, that Accurate. <laughs> It's such a dumb trailer, though, too. Like, I think, to go on your point, though, I think I could slide seamlessly into this character. <laughs> Probably. I don't think, just give me the right wig. I don't think, you talk about the degree of difficulty, like anybody could play this role. No offense. I wonder, I agree with that point, by the way. I wonder how heavy they're going to go with, you have to imagine there's got to be some enticing or some kind of enticement for Keanu to come back to this role. And I wonder if it's going to be just all his celebrity friends making cameos. I've kind of resisted the urge to check, to scroll through the IMDb cast list for that reason, because if I do watch this, I want to be surprised. But there has to be some kind of allure to him other than just being able to reprise the vaunted role that he had from Bill and Ted when he was first starting as an actor. To me, these are Hollywood producers online seeing every single kid, every single person using Keanu Reeves memes, right. Keanu gifts, and basically saying they know who Keanu Reeves is, all of them. And they <laughs> like Keanu Reeves being silly. Let's take his silliest role and reprise it. And I'm sure they'll make money, I guess. I, I hope they do, for Keanu's sake. Uh, Alex Winter, by the way, he's had quite the career as a director behind the camera. He's done a plethora of documentary shorts and TV movies. Uh, his acting resume, though, has been pretty scarce. Aside from his voice acting roles in Robot Chicken, uh, Winters has acted in exactly one episode of TV, one movie, been in the background of one short film he directed, and voice acted one time this decade. Or at least the last decade, I guess. And, and this uh, is that's it. Garfunkel, right? This is the Garfunkel of the Keanu Reeves <laughs> right, double right, here. Right, exactly. Okay. <laughs> I don't know who's Bill and who's Ted. I've Me seen both either. movies. I don't remember. <laughs> Mike, we have Peninsula Trailer 2. This is the sequel to Train to Busan. Yeah, so the way this trailer played, the premise was, what if the Purge, but mixed with Gladiator, taking place in The Walking Dead? 
how do you say the purge? Like, how is this the purge? Like, I just disagree with your premise. People walking the streets, they're scared, their lives are on the line every step they take. They got guns to protect themselves, but instead of other purgers, it's zombies. All right, it's uh, it's a zombie movie, folks. Yeah. Is what I'm trying to get at. And the gla- there's a gladiator scene because there's basically a sacrifice to the zombies with all these guys. Well, the there's a gladiator and... scene in the trailer. No, I mean yeah. there's literally a pit for a gladiator type battle where you got to face the super zombie, which is a bunch of zombies coming together like a megazord. Regular guys versus megazord of zombies. Right. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, visually, it looks pretty spectacular, and I'm really excited that they're going with a particular motif here because have you ever seen a car chase zombie movie like this seems to be fast and the furious with zombies i mean i've never seen anything like this and there's one sequence after another never mind with the little girl controlling the weaponized you know toy car and and all the big you know sequences with the trucks that are you know bowling zombies over it's awesome i've still not seen train to busan that's that's a mark against me i have to get on that but i imagine based on what I've seen from Train to Busan, this one looks like they they had their budget blown out and they're just going over the top with the zombies. Because there's zombies everywhere. I mean, they're everywhere. just, I mean, whether it's CGI or actual extras for these scenes, there's just, as far as the screen is, you can see people running around in it. So the scale of this is quite the epic for a zombie movie and that does intrigue me. And I agree, I've, I've not seen them, you know, I've not seen 28 Days Later zombies being able to keep up with cars and other vehicles as they seem to be doing in this trailer. Well, I guess I'm happy because this guy made a kick-ass movie with very little money for, with in Train to Busan or whatever, medium money, whatever that budget was. And now he's getting a huge budget to make the sequel. I mean, that should be the way it's done. I'm, I'm glad. Right. Yeah, I could echo that as well. I'm uh, very, very proud to see that. Very happy to see that. And I wish for the best for Peninsula. I do have to get on Train to Busan. All right. Despite the quality of trailers, we are happy that we have trailers to talk about for a change. And we can go and fill you in on what we've been watching lately with what we're watching, Michael. Yeah, that's what we're watching. Thank you. Mike, I actually watched Irresistible yesterday, and I did it because the quarantine finally got the best of me and boredom. <laughs> like, I didn't even want to watch it. I didn't even want to watch it, but I was so bored in the middle of my Sunday that I, I had to do I'd rather spend $20 than go through another moment of this meandering existence in this household, is what you were saying. That is exactly <laughs> what happened. Like, I had nothing else to do that I wanted to do. And I didn't want to work on the website. I was procrastinating with the website again. And I was just like, I can't, I have to watch something. I literally scrolled through the uh, VOD, every streaming service I had for like an hour. And I couldn't pick anything. And I was like, fuck, I kind of want to see this movie. I'll pay the 20 bucks and watch it. Okay. I do want to see this, but I did not pull the trigger because I have not seen outside of like Colbert, which what's he going to say about a Jon Stewart movie? I haven't seen a good review of this film. I think it's not as relevant as you would hope it it would be. You know, the political problem at the heart of this story is important. It's just not going to be on the top of anybody's agendas now for the next four years. Probably it'll probably be a 2040 fix, (laughs) which is a shame because it's a major problem. Oh, my God. The Wow. Wow. So without any spoilers, I. I do think this is an over-elaborate way to preach this moral of this story at us 
from Jon Stewart. So it works, technically speaking, but I'm kind of angry. It's kind of dirty pool to get us there and to and to preach this moral of the story at us. So it's one of those movies like, all right, fine, I agree with you, but come on, man, you know, make a much more entertaining movie to give me this lesson. So worth the $20 or not, ultimately? It's a smart script, even though it plays a little dirty with the audience. There are a few laughs, you know, in the middle of the movie, towards the end. There's a huge laugh at least for me, because it involves food. So <laughs> if I'm a sucker for food-related humor, and I'm, I'm, I might have tears falling down my face at this one joke that's probably only funny to, you know, former fat people like me or semi, <laughs> semi-chubby semi people like me. Because I've lost a lot of weight again, but it's, I'm still, whatever. <laughs> Body issues. Mike, Rose Byrne is also really good in this. Steve Carell is really good after the first half hour. The first half hour of this movie sucks, and it's really awkward, and it's a lot of dad jokes that miss. And it's really annoying. So mm. I was almost, like, really upset with this movie, you know, going into the middle of it. But it does work. Once Rose Byrne jumps in Act 2 and she's involved, it's, it's a lot of fun. So is it worth the $20 or no? <laughs> No, absolutely right. not. It's a C plus. It's you know frustrated emoji. You know we're not fixing this problem until twenty forty. It's a it's a fucking over elaborate way to give us this political lesson. Nah, well that's a shame. I, I I will tell you, John Stewart was on my mind a lot this weekend, and part of that reason, I guess I, I'll go next. Is I was watching a lot of old Daily Show clips, uh, hmm. specifically about like the Eric Garner murder and the Michael Brown murder, and basically just going back in time seeing the takes that people had, the relevant people in the media had back then versus what's wow. being portrayed now. Uh, it's disgusting because it's the exact same playbook being run by, uh, I'm sorry, but conservative media and Fox News and all that and focusing on one issue that isn't necessarily the murder and isn't necessarily police brutality like it should be. It's it's crazy to me how media from literally six or seven or eight years ago can be played in 2020 and if you just take the names out, you wouldn't know the difference that we're still, wow. I mean nothing's changed but time but anyway i was the reason john stewart was on my mind and the reason i was thinking about him was i, I wonder because he seems to be so popular it, and we already have one tv star in the white house like when would he feel the need to run for some kind of office because he does do a lot of activism work i mean obviously everyone knows him testifying before congress for the 9-11 bill uh trying to get medical funding for the people the first responders from 9-11 when that was about to run dry and he uh was tearful on, on the Capitol steps and testifying before Congress and just that type of thing. You know, I, I wonder how close to this reality we are of celebrity needing to come before qualification in terms of public office. And if that's going to be a lasting impact, but that argument and that idea aside, uh, I, I'd watched a lot of old daily show clips and I also watched an old standup from Michael Che, one of the writers on SNL. I think it was from 2016. It was actually called Michael Che's life matters. And again, same idea. Four years ago, he's talking about issues that are still just as relevant and prevalent and just as fucked up today as they were back then. And it's really kind of, yeah, it was funny and it's a good watch and an important watch, but taking it back in a meta sense, it, it sucks that this is still happening. Obviously, you don't need me to tell you that, but that's the truth of it. It does suck. And that was actually a productive way for you to spend your time and be entertained and informed. And that's really good. But this is me following up your symphony of really smart, intelligent, you know, movie criticism, entertainment review right there with a kazoo band. 
because I'm about to review Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga. So aren't I glad that I suggested we go back and forth with our reviews this week and what we're watching? Well, be honest, though. Was this the best movie you watched this week? I watched it three times, Mike. I watched it the end of every night because I just needed something happy. I expected a terrible movie going in. I got a terrible movie, but it's gr- also great. It's somehow a movie that I know is bad, but I still love it. And I think it's like the guilty pleasure pick of at least the week, but certainly of the year uh, for me. You know, But at least the week for you folks out there, I, I would hope. Because it's a dumb comedy that's really lovable. It has silly music. It has great music. I mean, so if you want just you know these elite pop artists... You know, just belting it out for for two hours, and and you get nostalgic music from ABBA to all this pop music like Pink or whatever. But I mean, you get something for everybody here, and it's just these these gorgeous musicians and singers just uh, just belting, like I said. So is this is Will Ferrell back? Is this a comeback effort from him, and he's reestablished himself in that anchorman type dominance? I would like to say that his batting average is as high as it used to be. I don't think that's the case with this movie. Like he's like one for every three jokes or so. It's almost like a 300, 333 batting average. Yeah. A couple of the jokes that hit though, like I'm still laughing at. Like I'm still <laughs> literally. I watch this movie each of the last three nights. That's where my social life is. That's where I'm at right now these days. And I'm I'm terrified to go outside. I'm still quarantined. Whatever. It, this was me laughing at Will Ferrell and a heckler. In Iceland, screaming at him three nights in a row. I just, I want to quote it to everybody, but I know nobody's seen it. I'm not going to try and force that on you now, but I've been yelling it to myself and giggling like a fool. You don't know how hard I've had to resist because I knew you were going to review it. So I tried to watch other stuff, but I wanted to watch this. Okay, one of the biggest uh, questions I had about Eurovision for the multiple times that it came up in our MMOW programs. Rachel McAdams, in a full-fledged, ridiculous, farcical comedy. I don't even know if it is farcical. Maybe it's just satirical, but whatever. How does she do? She's the anchor of the story, I think. Like, she's... If there's a straight man character, that's what she is in in this. But at the same time, you know, she does get a few moments where she's funny. But I mean, she... She keeps this movie grounded, I would say. Like, I, you know, her themes are the most important ones in the film. Mm -hmm. And... I'm really glad she's in it. She's not singing like my Marianne is singing uh, for her. Okay. Uh, this this new artist uh, uh, out there that uh, is really just launching her career, getting that job. So I'm really happy for for her, uh, Swedish singer. And I think Rachel McAdams does a great job lip syncing, in, in particular. Cool. Like I believe it's not easy to do. No, it's not easy to do. A freaking best actor went to Rami Malek and yeah. he's missing every other beat or it's off or whatever. I mean, it didn't work. So I'm really impressed with her in that regard. There's musical goods to this movie that it's 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 a guilty pleasure for a lot of reasons. It's funny. You know, you got some goofy stuff with uh, silly songs. So if you like those, like the one in the trailer, you get another silly song in here as well. But it, it, it's also a movie with a great finale. So, yeah, I would recommend this to you. I would be afraid of recommending it to all our listeners. Like, if you hate dumb comedies, don't watch this. You're just going to hate me. But this was a guilty pleasure for me. I'm giving it a very guilty. Just the, ugh, the guiltiest B83. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, at least you had something somewhat grounded in that movie. If you want something, again, if you hate stupid comedy that you can avoid, 
Eric Andre's new stand-up legalize everything. Mm. I don't know what I watched when I watched this. <laughs> it's just here's how I'll finish. I'll, I'll, it's a quick review for me. I okay. liked it because I like Eric Andre, and I know he's random, and I know he's ridiculous, and I know he's 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 a very shock value type guy. And there are moments of authenticity and being genuine in this. They're for few and far between, but he ends this by just taking off all his clothes and standing bare naked like Buffalo Bill on stage. That's how he ends Ugh. the stand-up. So if that's for you, <laughs> if you find humor in that, like I did, yeah, watch it. If you think that's outrageous and too much for you, I get it. Stay away from it. Uh, that's where I'll land with that. So I don't remember at, if at the beginning of the every Eric Andre show on YouTube he broke his desk or at the end of every Eric Andre show. But he did like a parody yes. of a late night show that was like, you know, if a late night show was hosted by Letterman on meth. Yes, exactly. He had a house band of all old white. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's that that type of humor, uh, which works for me and it doesn't for some people. And I completely understand. Uh, another thing I watched far more seriously, we did review yeah. this, Mike reviewed this on our Q2 review, but Athlete A, I can't add much to it outside of what we talked about already, but I think it's an important watch. I could actually see that one competing just because of, uh, for, for an Oscar, just because of the uh, seriousness. And unfortunately, in one way, mm-hmm. but, but thankfully in another, the heroes it made and the brave women. I mean, for what, 14, 15, 16-year-old girls to have to go through this it's just it's heartbreaking and it's just it's too much for any teenager to actually have to live through but the the grace and the authority and just the you will not deter me-ness that these yeah. women that these young athletes and these superstar athletes these role models had to, to put forward it's just astounding i mean what a story yeah, it's gross. Uh, I think any kind of, any kind of story dealing with child predators is gross, but it, it, I think it's an important one too. Uh, I just wanted to underscore that because we did review it in Q2. I hadn't had a chance to watch it yet. I watched it last night. Uh, it definitely left an impact on me, and I think it's overall as a documentary, it's really well done, uh, and it's powerful, and it's impactful. Uh, just yeah, wanted to, to put that out there. Cosign, cosign. Uh, I did watch a former Oscar nominee myself. I watched The Defiant Ones. This is starring Sidney Poitier and Tony Curtis from 1958. They are two escaped prisoners on the run from the law after an accident, like at the beginning of every Halloween movie or (laughs) anyway. But, you know, Curtis is like a bona fide racist at the start of this story. But it's a simple story of how they become friends. And look, does this... Is this, you know, the in-depth movie we need nowadays? No, but it's like the old-school Hollywood movie where, all right, don't be racist. I mean, that's the theme of the movie. And, you know, be <laughs> friends. And there's more involved than that. I don't think this this movie should win Best Picture in 2018. Oh, wait, it did. <laughs> but, you know, that level of, you know, that level of depth shouldn't win nowadays. But... This movie showcases two great performances from Portier and Curtis at the peak of their powers. It's also a great suspense film because they're on the run. And it's, you know, it's one of those movies that I'm proud of old school Hollywood or prouder of it because you have to get get through a lot of racist shit coming from a characters, but at least it's worked into the plot and it's shown to be wrong. 
you have to work is, through that if you can tolerate a trigger warning there. But yeah, and it's incredibly difficult to pull off, even in twenty. I would say, especially in twenty twenty, uh, that uh, the Defiant Ones did win Best Picture Drama in nineteen fifty nine at the Globes, and it was nominated for a bunch of Oscars. It won Best Cinematography for a Black and White Film and Best Writing, Story, and Screenplay, written directly for the screen. Uh, we call that Best Original Screenplay now, uh, but that won those back in nineteen fifty nine alongside another, I think, seven other nominations. So. Uh, definitely one that goes down in Oscars history. Yeah, and I guess they cannibalized each other in the Best Actor category because they were both nominated for Lead Actor, like you said. All right, Mike, what, what else did you watch? We'll go back and forth with some Netflix movies, uh, TV shows, rather. Yeah, so the, the the last thing I really have here on my list is uh, I, I finished up Ozark Season 2. I'm going to get ready to dive into Season 3. I think it's one of the best written dramas on TV right now. I, a lot of other people obviously feel that way. Otherwise, there wouldn't have been a Season 3. But uh, everything you've heard about Jason Bateman pulling off his dramatic role and his directorial touch, I think, is very well-founded and well-deserved. You could see a lot of his talent shining through behind and in front of the camera for the, the episodes that he does direct. I am in love with a couple characters and a couple young actors uh, that are attached to the show. The girl who plays Ruth, Julia Garner, that's her name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, she was just also in The Assistant, I believe, right? She was the main, she was the lead in that, right, Mike? She is the lead and the assistant, yeah. and uh, I'm glad she's good in this. Why am I so opposed to watching this? Is it because of you? Because I, you know, you watch this against all of my recommendations on yeah. the year. Yeah, that sounds and that's right. my grudge, and that's just me being very petty. This is also a, mo- a show that my my father, you know, recommends to me every time I see him, and I it's just really I get good. mad because you know I you know I have a podcast that recommends entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, dad doesn't listen to it. That's fine. <laughs> but instead of asking me for a single recommendation, he has to you know like really push it hard every time I see him. I don't want to watch our Ozark. I don't I, like that's it's all petty nonsense for me. But that's me being honest. I, I, I get mad when people recommend Ozark to me and it's probably completely <laughs> irrational. Well, here's here's all I'll say about Ozark. Um, I don't think you will. Reg- not speaking to you, but speaking generally, I don't think anyone will regret it if they do watch it. I think season two was more suspenseful than season one. And from what I've heard from everybody, season three is the best of all. So I'm okay. very, very excited to get into season three. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. There's plenty of other great TV out there, and that's part of why we do this What We're Watching segment, because we do review TV and movies as a big part of our MMOW uh, every week. Yeah, and I got two more shows myself here because, and it's a really a, t- a tale of two reviews, because Dead to Me, <laughs> I watched Dead to Me. This is Christina Applegate. This is Linda Cardellini with a hilarious terrible premise right mm-hmm. it's a terrifying premise you don't think the dramedy could could ensue but this show is hilarious it is insane it is it is one of the better season ones i've watched in a while wow and it's and it's a tightrope it's a degree of difficulty is insane because you're dealing with a death at the beginning of the show and they're reckoning with their grief and they meet at a uh you know a grief uh counselor mm-hmm. together or a group Right. Uh, They meet there and they form this toxic friendship that's also somehow works for them both. But, Mike, does this show jump the shark in season two? Like, I am so upset with the first three episodes of season two that Dead to Me is now Dead to Me. I'm not going (laughs) to keep watching it. I'm just not going to do it. You know what? I don't put it beyond Netflix to have that be the goal so they can have that trend on Twitter or something. (laughs) I quit this show, and I'm so upset about it because I was so invested in season one. But let's just say there's a twin, an identical twin, 
and I hate identical twins yeah. in shows. That's played tough by the to same, pull off. Play, played by the same person, and it just it's bullshit. I, it's not funny. I I just I threw I throw the show out. I'm not watching anymore. I'm very upset. All I'm right, very so bitter dead, in this what we're watching. <laughs> dead to me is dead to you. What do you want to finish up with here? Maybe this is the reason why behind all my bitterness and why I had to watch Eurovision the last three nights because <laughs> I have been on a, a zodiac deep dive. I watched the movie earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. I've been I've been down this rabbit hole. I listened to a bunch of podcasts. I'm I'm like two thirds of the way through a 15 episode you know podcast series called Monster the Zodiac Killer. I don't know if anybody's listened to it, but it's it's great. There's the last podcast on the left episode. I watched like 10 YouTube videos from who knows where. And I watched the four-episode docu-series that just came out on FX. And I watched it via Hulu this 2020 called The Most Dangerous Animal of All. And The Most Dangerous Animal of All, Mike, is pitching this scenario where this guy who was adopted, right? He was adopted as a child, grows up. And as a 40-year-old man, he's finding his birth parents, and then he's convinced that the Zodiac Killer is his father. Oh, Jesus. And my God, is he convincing for three episodes. And it's a, it's real life. It's not it's not a fictitious TV show. It's a documentary. It's real life. Oh, he wrote boy. a book. It came out in like 2002 or 2005. It's a documentary. It's real life. My goodness, I, I was shocked at how convinced I was by the documentary. Now... In a very shameful way, I got very aggravated with episode four because they're trying to poke all holes in his story just to be like purposely ambiguous. And Mm -hmm. I'm aggravated because I don't think they poked enough holes to portray it like he was just flat out lying or he's flat out unbelievable. Like I I tended to believe this guy more than I didn't. Yeah, that's a that's a hell of a wake up call and a hell of a thing to find out if you uh, are firmly convinced that your father is one of the most notorious serial killers that ever lived that's horrifying uh speaking of serial killers i did not watch yet but i have recorded uh the hbo just kicked off their i think they have a five-part right. docuseries about the uh, san francisco killer that i have waiting for me on my dvr so i have to put down this investigation first before i moved it and move on to that <laughs> yeah, I, I look forward to the day that you solve <laughs> the zodiac killings i really can't wait for that we could pivot this entire podcast away from these movies and get into what really matters here uh, oh look you can't ever say that Mike, Mike, and Oscar doesn't give you a variety of things in our What We're Watching section right. to review. So uh, hopefully we got you something that you can find worthwhile to keep you entertained during this quarantine. We'll move on to a quick Do You Care? care segment this is where we take out the news stories of the week we ask each other do we should we or will we care about them the way we start every do you care segment is we take the new movies debuting this week and since we are still in quarantine they're primarily and have been on vod lately and i will ask mike uh if they're worthwhile or if we're excited about them let's start with the first one coming to vod john lewis good trouble this is a documentary about the senator and civil rights hero and i'm going to go off on a small tangent here quick before i ask mike his opinion because i'm selfish like that alabama should absolutely rename that fucking bridge after john lewis Mm. john stewart made the point uh when talking i think it was to trevor noah in promoting uh the film that he was making the rounds for he said that freed slaves 
and their descendants in these southern states are forced to drive around on roads and bridges named after the very men who literally fought to be able to treat them as lesser than. I mean, they literally operate under a message of, yeah, you're free, but just to let you know, we're going to keep you subjugated down there in these southern states. And it's fucking disgusting in 2020. And I'm sorry for using that language. I'm sorry to go off on this rant on it, but I, 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 it's just something that's eaten away at me all week long, and I needed to get that off my chest. So that's my political tangent for the episode. You guys are pretty much used to one per episode at this point for me. Anyway, Mike, what do we think about the John Lewis docuseries, documentary? Well, I agree with you and, and stand behind you in saying that, by the way. But I, I think John Lewis, it's long overdue that he gets his own you know, a documentary made about him. I mean, he's been, you know, a peripheral subject in other docs about Martin Luther King, etc., about the civil rights area era, etc. But I mean, we know he is a true American hero. We Absolutely. know what he's suffered through by now. Uh, and he should be required viewing at this stage. I mean, learn about this man's life. Uh, my God, is, 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 it a, is it a heroic one? I'm very excited to watch that when it comes out. We also have The Truth, which is a French family drama starring Catherine Deneuve and Juliette Binoche and directed by Hirokazu Kurita of Shoplifters. Yeah, I love Shoplifters and I've loved the careers of Deneuve and Binoche, so I'm looking forward to that. Coming on Disney Plus, we have Hamilton, which was filmed with the original cast from Broadway. Is the whole world going to watch <laughs> Hamilton this weekend? The whole world's going to watch it, right? Uh, it's it's a very patriotic time for this movie to drop. Disney, I think they might know what they're doing in that marketing department there. They do. <laughs> on Netflix, we have Homemade, which is a collection of short films made by actors and directors during quarantine. We have names like Kristen Stewart, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Paolo Sortino, Sebastian Lillo, and Laj Lee. Mike, you're going to end up watching this and do an episode on it with Andrew of the Nomcast. Yeah, I think... Both Andrew and I are drawn to this because we both were short filmmakers back in the days, right? In a past life, we were both uh, short filmmakers, right. and we're, we're both five foot five and filmmakers. No, we, <laughs> we made short films, and I think that was a I, terrible. I terrible. mean, that was no, that was it, like the joke is bad, but I really am glad you said it. It's a great dad joke. I would have gone on without your interruption <laughs> and just let it play and to see. Maybe it would have made a few people laugh and we didn't have to draw attention to I'm it. I'm not but. even sorry. That was really good. <laughs> I think that there are some name filmmakers and actors involved here. And I want to talk about the quarantine in a more positive way with somebody other than you, I think, <laughs> is what I need in the podcasting world. Now, these when days. you so, say positive, can you? What is not familiar? What's something good that these people are doing during quarantine? All these, you know, creative people, endlessly creative people, are making movies. I mean, we got Kristen Stewart, Maggie, Maggie Gyllenhaal. You know, we got a bunch of on the rise filmmakers that just have to flex their muscles so i'm really excited to see if they made anything worthwhile and if they didn't we can make fun of them and if they did we can give praise them so it's it's going to be kind of a mishmash episode that we'll have some fun with andrew and i i do like this mini series that you and andrew have put together both on his on the nomcast feed and on ours because i do i mean sincerely i think you two uh put together some really really uh, great episodes and very informative and they're great listens and if you haven't uh checked it out mike also mike and andrew from the nomcast uh have teamed up a couple times and they are both in our library and in the nomcast library so go check those out if you haven't had the chance to yeah we're excited and uh we'll get we'll get after that starting tomorrow because that comes out 
uh, on Tuesday. Well, starting today, we're putting this out Tuesday. So this this uh, homemade collection of short films comes out Tuesday. All right, Mike. Bunch of production and casting announcements this last week. First up, LeBron James's production company is going to make a film about the 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre. Yeah, this is also known as the Black Wall Street Massacre. Uh, I can't believe I was 33 and hadn't heard about this. This is just coming out because of the George Floyd protests and uh, the the police brutality, uh, activists, and all, all all going on. I'm stumbling over my words because I don't have the proper words to put this together. They need yeah. to teach this in schools. I can't believe I didn't know about this. I can't believe I have nieces and nephews in public school systems who otherwise wouldn't know about this. So uh, I can't... I've, I'm very happy LeBron is the one putting his name behind this because I can't think of a person who would draw more eyes from all areas and all sectors and spheres of life and entertainment uh, other than LeBron to put it behind this story that needs to be heard by far more people. He's dedicated so much of his life and his philanthropy to equal opportunities in education. And here is his production company, fittingly, you know, going towards adult education and yeah. the education of, of the masses, you know, through entertainment. So this makes good sense. It's in the right hands. LeBron James, uh, you know, you wouldn't think of him as being somebody that could, you know, is, is made, ready made for this because he's going to be in the Space Jam remake. But my God, is he ha- he has a whole life where it's, it's just evident that he, he fights for education Absolutely. every step of the way. Absolutely. If you ever actually watch the the series at the barbershop that he does on HBO, these issues come up all the time with him and other famous athletes, actors, directors, people, investors everywhere. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. He is well equipped to do this. And he should never shut up and dribble. Fuck Laura Ingram. Fuck Laura Ingram. so angry. Fuck her. Of all people. All right. Ava DuVernay is making a six-part documentary miniseries about the childhood and life of Colin Kaepernick that's heading to Netflix, Mike. Yeah, so we just found out about this right before hitting record today. I'm very excited about this. Ava DuVernay, you know how we feel about her at MMO if you've listened to us long enough. She's an actual angel sent from above to guide us because she does stuff that yeah. is not only necessary and important, but uh, she does it with such grace and such professionalism, and it's just so concise and efficient the way the message gets across, and it doesn't lose any of its importance in the translation. I'm very excited to see her take hold of the Colin Kaepernick story, and it's going to be interesting for a lot of us who are not only sports fans, but also uh, fans of progress and, and racial equality to see where he came from, because I don't think a lot of us know that story. We were talking before the show, and like he is better than quarterbacks X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Some of them, some of them on the roster. We'll take him on the giant team. in a second. Yeah, and yeah, we looked at his quarterback ratings. Whatever. I mean, maybe he shouldn't be getting the you know fifty million dollars a year kind of salary. He's not on that level. His career did go back a little bit, but he's worth worthy of a of a roster spot somewhere. And he's totally been blackballed. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, this is a fascinating story that we need more on. And. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad Ava's uh, directing resources to it now. Anyway, Mike, there's no way to transition, but we do have a new Pirates of the Caribbean movie that's going to star Margot Robbie. Yeah, it's going to be a wholly different story. It's not going to be a spinoff. Uh, it's going to be aimed at completely resurrecting the Pirates franchise for Disney. I don't doubt that Margot can do it. I think it will be difficult, and I think a lot of things would need to go right, regardless of whoever Disney tabbed with this endeavor, because Captain Jack, I believe, has become so synonymous with the Mouse brand. But credit to Margot, if she can get in cozy with Disney the way she has with WB already, she's going to turn 30 this week and will be one of the major players in two of the biggest studios going. 
All right, so I have a take that is going in two different directions because under no circumstances do I want to watch another Pirates of the Caribbean movie. <laughs> I don't think and you're yet, alone. I want to watch Margot Robbie as a movie star in movies because I think she's totally watchable. I didn't mean love, you know, the, the, the new Harlequin movie that was out there, but she was awesome in it, and she's just got that level of charisma. So this just seems like, you know, in a cynical way, the grabbiest of money grabs. At the same time, Margot Robbie, pirate lady, pirate star, pirate action hero. All right, I'm, I'm probably going to watch it. Yeah, and that's, I think, maybe what Disney's banking on, because I don't think there's a lot of goodwill left in the Pirates IP, but how many actors could they have tabbed with this that could have made you say, oh, I guess I'll watch it? Not many, right? And that's kind of how I feel. I'm kind of sick of the Pirates franchise, too, but if Margot Robbie's attached, I'm I'm more willing to watch it than if, let's say, I don't know, John Cusack got it. I'm more excited than John Cusack as a pirate. You know, yeah, I agree. Margot Robbie as a pirate over John Cusack. Mike, there's going to be a Twister reboot coming from Universal with the director of Top Gun Maverick and Only the Brave. Surprisingly, not the director of Greenland or EcoStorm there. <laughs> Joseph Kaczynski is attached to the Twister reboot. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think it's going to be pretty fucking hard to have a jump scare with a tornado movie, isn't it? Man, that wind really came from out of nowhere just now. Do we need this? No. Nope. Like, <laughs> it was a big deal to me, this movie, as a kid. It was like one of the first movies I went and saw out with friends, right? Just just us. So it was kind of funny. Philip Seymour Hoffman launched his career. I mean, it was a good tornado movie. It was a good suspense movie. I was fine with it. There was a flying cow. Why do we need the reboot? Why? I, I am at a loss for this one myself. I don't, uh, you know, did we need another Jacob's Ladder that nobody watched? Yeah, sometimes reboots shouldn't happen. Right. Mike, in quarantine, a bunch of celebrities got together and they made this reenactment film of the uh, of the Princess Bride. It's a remake of the Princess Bride and it is now coming to Quibi. Do you care? So a lot of remakes just don't need to happen, you know? <laughs> Look, I, I actually, no, I don't care and I probably won't watch it, but I don't think... I hate this move for Quibi as much mm-hmm. as other people do because Quibi is not doing well. Uh, I think in their second week of existence, they were already off the top apps, the top most downloaded apps chart on, on the iOS system. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, so I think they're kind of grasping at straws at ways to stay relevant and like you know make payroll and stuff. And if everyone's ignoring your product, it, it, at least you can get everyone to actively hate watch something, maybe. And maybe that's the direction they're going in with this. I don't think a Nick Jonas, a Jonas Brothers, Sophia Turner led reenactment of The Princess Bride is a great idea on paper. I don't think remaking The Princess Bride at all is something that people would get behind. But if you can get people at least interested enough to like hate watch it, at least you're getting eyes on your product. I think you're wanting to hate watch this movie. You think I, I this is a good idea? Well, it's not a remake. It's just like this four charity goofball thing where a bunch of celebrities from Tiffany Haddish to, to Diego Luna to Common to Jennifer Garner, Jack Black, Josh Gad. They're just like reenacting the scenes and putting them together. I mean, it's a low cost way for Quibi just to put something on their streaming service that could be. Nostalgic. So what? So maybe I'm misinterpreting. So this is like a table read. No, it's the, these actors in quarantine basically f- reenacting the scenes no, no, with I'm their out. family. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I don't need this. Oscar content or no content. Usually I would agree with you, but I'm this desperate at this point. 
where I'm watching homemade short films, and they're fun to talk about, I think, so we'll see. But uh, Michael Keaton is going to return as Batman in the Flash movie, Mike. This was a big story from last week. Yeah, I don't see the point in this. I'm sorry. I don't share the excitement with much. I know I'm the pessimist. I We've established that well by now, and I, I, I play that role well. But truly, I don't share the excitement that a lot of film Twitter does for this. So... He's going to be a Nick Fury type advisor, is at least the reports mm-hmm. that came out. So the DCEU is dead, right? Because we know he's going to be Bruce Wayne, which means he's not in the universe with Joaquin's Joker. We know he won't be in Matt Reeves' The Batman. And this is going to be the third different Bruce Wayne portrayal on film in the past, like, five years now? So they're going to have an old Batman and a young Batman out at, at the same time. And even if he's like, it doesn't make sense to just have him play Bruce Wayne as like the mentor hero, right? Uh, in the Flash movie, he's got to somehow don the suit and that thing, right? I would think. Yeah. I mean, that's why you have Bruce Wayne in. Yeah. That's my guess. I don't know. I, I like Batman Beyond watching that with my brothers growing up. And I think yeah, like, I did Bruce too. Wayne... Yeah, like Bruce Wayne being old Batman, you know, mentoring a new Batman. That was really cool. So if they were building up to that storyline. No, Robert Pattinson. I just looked it up on IMDb. Robert Pattinson's playing Bruce Wayne in Matt Reeves' movie. Yeah. Michael Keaton. A junior thing? I don't don't understand. And by the way, this Flash movie has had a horror show getting off the ground. I mean, they've wanted to produce this thing for like 20 years now, and they've just never found the right thing to figure it out i don't know that old bruce wayne so what if you're putting old bruce wayne in the nick fury role aren't you building the avengers so the avengers are going to have their or not i'm sorry not the avengers but uh the justice league so i would think justice league is now going to have its own universe within wb i don't think they care about the universes as much i just you know i mean they'll if if they if they need to uh, promote a story they're going to put people that they can promote a story with in that movie and whatever fans want, they're trying to give them, give it to them right now. You know, I just don't think DC cares about the one cohesive cinematic universe and they're just trying all these different shots and whatever works, they'll make more of who do I need to talk to, to get my Harley Quinn versus wonder woman movie. I don't think that I I think they're going to let those play on their own for a while before they try to do a team up or a, you know, clash. I think you're right, but this is why I need to be in charge of a major Hollywood studio. I, uh, <laughs> I disagree <laughs> fundamentally, but at the same time, I'm not I'm not in for all these stories either necessarily. So yeah, I kind of agree with you on that one, Mike. In terms of a box office update, we can move through a quick. Milan moved. We're not surprised. Uh, we had unhinged without remorse. Bill and Ted face the music couple of those moved back a few weeks without remorse tom clancy film moved it back a few months any takes on on the movement yeah just about mulan i i feel like D- disney and wb are kind of playing chicken right now between tenant and mulan i don't think either one wants to go first and test the water I, I know christopher nolan does but the studio wb i don't think does i think they want one of the other ones to go first and see what's out there as far as if they're actually going to open in theaters in quarantine yeah, I mean, Disney's been pretty outspoken about it. They don't right. want to go first. They they would rather just be next up, and then they can still move. They right. can they can ditch out. You know, they can hit the ejector seat. So, 
I think uh, they'll do that. They'll keep positioning themselves behind Tenet and see what happens. Uh, we do have cinemas in Great Britain that are allowed to re- reopen as of July 4th, Michael. Yes, Great Britain seems to have their curve under control for the most part. New cases have been falling consistently on pretty much a daily basis. Uh, they had over 6,100 cases on May 6th. That was down to about 3,000 cases on May 24th. They're just under 1,400 new cases this past Saturday. That covers the entirety of the U.K. as far as new cases. So uh, there are other countries that are in far greater control of their curves than the U.S. is prior to any vaccine. I wonder if we get to the point where studios find more value in releasing films overseas Mm -hmm. before doing so stateside. And they even see the revenue that that would produce as overcoming any kind of spoiler you know, issues that they would deal with in doing so. I mean, you know, they like releasing in the U.S., but uh, if if the overseas is more in control of their curves, if they need to make money that badly, I could see a time coming where they release overseas before the movies hit the U.S. I don't know how separated the marketing push angle of it all is, you know, because like if you have a worldwide marketing campaign, it kind of needs to come out at the same time, you know, overseas right. and here. It could be a difference of a week or two, but... You know, I don't think you can have like a three month difference between tenant there and tenant here if you're, you know, otherwise you're going to have to spend double on the marketing. Yeah, it wouldn't be for a movie. Yeah, it'd have to be for a movie that hasn't been marketed yet. I agree. I mean, this is, I'm talking down the road because I don't think we're close to this point right now anyway. But like, let's say if Black, not even Black Widow, but you know, I, I don't have an example off the top of my head, but. If they wanted to make money, if studios were in that dire straits, I wonder uh, just how, because. Because U.S. is not doing well. I mean, L.A. bars just had to reclose. Texas had to stop their reopenings. You know, these major markets are moving backwards right now. Everything in the U.S. is going to get pushed back another two or three months. Let's be honest. Like the movie theater openings that are supposed to happen from Cinemark and AMC, it's going to get pushed back to August at at the earliest and then that's probably going to get pushed back again. And we, we could see this coming a mile away, right? I mean, it's just... Absolutely. Absolutely. And even if they do open and everybody's belligerent out there, who people aren't just going to, they're not going to go. Like, we're going to self-quarantine. I've never been more right about anything in my pessimism (laughs) than I have about the movie industry's uh, reaction to the U.S.'s handling with this COVID thing. The numbers are so much worse than they ever were. And I get that testing is happening probably 100 times more. But regardless, this thing is just so contagious that they, they can't reopen. Like, we're going to see Texas and these other states shut down for another time period again, aren't we? In May, we needed to be doing 200,000 tests a day just to... That's the low end. That was the minimum amount of testing we would need to do to start controlling the curve. And we didn't get to that point until, you know, more recently. Uh, it's just... I don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. And short of a vaccine... I don't know. I, I still don't believe we're getting sports, by the way. That's how pessimistic I am about all of this, especially Florida's well, getting 9,000 new cases a day, and we're going to have the all every NBA team down in Florida. I don't understand it, but whatever. The thing with the sports is that they're getting tested constantly. Everybody is getting tested constantly in the right. sports, at least the NBA bubble. So that seems like it's a possibility for me. You know, uh, I'm not as, you know, pessimistic as you in that regard. Takes one case. In that in that kind of context, where you're banging bodies against everyone, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just I'm very pessimistic about this whole thing. Uh, I think our government's given me reason to be pessimistic too, but that's just my two cents. 
Well, I wish I could disagree with you more thoroughly there, Mike. Uh, in terms of our audience, th- they have a few things to say about Tenant, and they, I think they agree with you as well. We ran two polls last week, and the first one was off the question of, do you think Tenant actually premieres on August 8th, August uh, 12th, rather, or will it be delayed again? 12.7% said, yeah, it'll stick to August 12th. 10.1% said it'll stick in August uh, 50.6% said it'll be delayed past August, and 26.6% says it's going to get delayed into 2021. Yeah, and I know Scott Mance uh, ran a similar poll as well uh, after we put up ours. He actually said he participated in ours. So three out of every four people, more than three out of every four people, say this movie isn't coming out until uh, past August, at the minimum. And I think I agree. I don't know how you can have hopes for this one making its date right now. Yeah. It's uh, it's not looking good. I, I want the good news. I really want it. But uh, I mean, hopefully it's just... you and Andrew from Nomcast can find it because I got nothing for you. <laughs> well, we'll we'll find a fun way to talk about the quarantine for once. I know we we get negative talking about the quarantine, you and I, because you just are very very. Humanity is a never-ending cesspool of disappointment. Yeah, you're like the. The critic from Ratatouille when we get talking about this stuff. And I, I don't blame I didn't you have a happy childhood. <laughs> There's nothing for me to tap into. It, it's pretty ominous. It's dark and ominous when we get to talking about this stuff. But I, I, I have to agree with you in this case. I mean, it seems obvious, unfortunately. I'll save my uh, my optimism for the PVOD numbers of Halloween Kills. That's, I'm very I'm very bullish on those. Now you're just picking a fight with people. Now, because now <laughs> I encouraged you somehow. And no, now you're just being mean. All right, Michael. Well, that is a grand look around the Hollywoods here and the bigger stories in the blockbuster news that we do uh, longer MMO Weekly this week. But there's a ton of news that keeps coming out. And that's why we do basically two news stories per week, one focused on the entertainment industry at large in MMO Weekly and one that's more Oscars and award season specific in our ORC. And we just did a full quarter two review of the industry in our latest ORC, our Oscar Race Checkpoint episode. That's the previous episode to this one in your MMO podcast feed but as always with that episode with this episode and with everything else we do here in the mmo empire we do want to hear your thoughts takes comments questions and concerns you can leave us all those on our social medias we are mike mike and oscar on facebook and on instagram we are mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are available everywhere you hear podcasts including an especially apple podcast and if you are quarantining with us uh, hopefully we didn't get you too down on what's going on in the world. We we had some positivity sprinkled out throughout this episode. We did. Go watch that Iceland singing Eurovision movie. Mike <laughs> likes that. That made him laugh. Um, but if you are quarantining with us, if you could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we would truly appreciate that. Michael, what is coming next from MMO, and what are some words of wisdom to end on? Well, I think the movie theaters need some of our money, but I, I do think it's going to be a little while until we actually sit back in them again and feel comfortable. So the Bowtie Virtual Streaming Room at BowtieCinemas.com is where you can support that theater chain. I know AMC has a major streaming service where you can rent stuff all the time. I think it could be wise to support them that way. You know, maybe your next VOD purchase or rental could be, you know, and uh, uh, those services instead of Amazon, instead of something else where you're just giving more money to the streaming services. That's a way we can support our theaters once again. Oh, I like terms. That. That's yeah. up, that's uplifting. 
Yeah, in terms of what's coming next, though, I talked about it. We're, Andrew and I are going to review Homemade, the collection of short films from all those name actors and directors. We're going to have fun talking about the quarantine for a change. <laughs> I hope, I think. I'm not allowed know, in that recording. You're not allowed in this one because you're just going to kind of just fart in our faces every time we'd want to say something. Oh, you can't be possibly serious with that. <laughs> but then at the end of the week, you and I have the privilege of continuing the James Bond character study. And this has been a fun series. Everybody I've talked to, they've, they've loved the James Bond character study series. We give it a lot of tough love because James Bond has been a scumbag in previous iterations. <laughs> yes. Yes, I true. think now we're over, you know, we're over the hump and Daniel Craig is a pretty damn good Bond. So we're going to take each one of Daniel Craig's movies one by one. Casino Royale is how we're going to start for our July episode on the James Bond character study. I'm very, very curious. I have not watched Casino Royale in a couple of years, so I'm very curious to see how it holds up in 2020 with everything going on. So that is quite exciting. Uh, guys. When reality does suck, like it has a lot lately, you can come watch these movies with us and hopefully share a few laughs. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very, very soon. I think people now know who came up with the first half of that slogan and who came up with the second half. We'll see you guys later.